Hi, and welcome to today's SME Business Podcast. Your host, Mark, will be joining you to interview a founder of an SME business each week, highlighting lessons learned and revealing insights. Listen and learn each week on how to get and stay ahead. Hey, dear listeners, thank you for tuning in for the next episode of the SME Business Podcast. Today, we are joined by Jonathan Sun. Me and Jonathan are also members of Mentors and Mentees. Uh, Jonathan is the founder of Nifty. Nifty helps entrepreneurs validate ideas. Um, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I, 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 of course, I have some questions for you um, that, that I would like to ask uh, to help discover more about you and also help our listeners discover what you do and, and where you are in the journey. Um, so uh, just to give you a bit a big background for the listeners, um, can you tell a bit more about yourself and how you got into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so um, yeah, my name is Jonathan and uh, uh, based and I run Nifty, which is a prototyping studio where uh, and prototyping is basically a creative way um, for um, for uh, aspiring founders to validate their startup ideas using um, using creative manual experiments. Um, the way I got into entrepreneurship was actually uh, more. And I guess it was more of a family influence type of thing. So um, my dad's an entrepreneur as well. Um, I remember being told a lot of, you know, different, you know, a lot of positive things about entrepreneurship growing up. And, you know, um, I just kind of gravitate towards that career path. Um, I would always well, I remember in secondary school, I would always try to sketch out different products on sheets of paper. And sometimes time to time when I would go do trips to China, um, I would try to go to different factories to show to show my different, uh, really terrible looking uh, product sketches that I would show to different factories, and then, you know, those never really got anywhere because later on I found out the hard way that uh, they they cost way too much to make in different factories like that, um, but that was the beginning, and uh, that's kind of how I got started and i guess it could go a little bit more into my journey if you'd like or um yes, you know, whatever yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, delve into yeah, yeah, yes um so let's see the first legitimate business i ran was called um was called horizon uh which uh back in the u.s i i'm uh, me and an, uh and um a few other uni students we created an app to match um uh, u.s high school leadership best fit uni um, using creative metrics such as the, their personality types and what kind of environments they wanted to be in and what kind of activities that they wanted to do on the day-to-day, uh, along with like their test scores and things like that. So I ran that for about three and a half years. And um, although we didn't really achieve the end result that we wanted to, I think I, uh, I got a chance to learn a lot of things, both about myself and uh, my ability to... Uh, I guess, you know, my skills and abilities, you know, in terms of running a startup. And then I think during uh, midway, I think around 2018 or 2019, when I started, um, when I started running uh, mentors and mentees together with the founder, Tim, um, I, I, I became, that it was around that time when I became, started to become passionate about uh, entrepreneur ecosystem building, uh, bringing yeah, bringing communities together to support each other or, you know, finding ways to support founders. And so, uh, and that's how actually, um, you, uh, that's actually how Mark and I met. Um, because uh, it turns out that there were, that Mentors and Mentees is already a very large Facebook community. And there were a lot of people all around the world. And it turns out there was a very significant London chapter and, uh, and you were already a part of it. And it was really cool. So, um, and you, and so when I took my next trip to London in the summer, I, uh, I, I, I wanted to bring everybody together just because nothing of the sort has really been done before. And so, um, yeah, I messaged everybody and, you know, everybody agreed to meet somewhere in Shoreditch. And so we did it and it was a really good time. Um, since then, I don't know what happened to the momentum as much, uh, in terms of that, but, um, 
But I think just the experience of bringing everybody together, you know, really brought me a lot of energy. And so I've yeah, spent a yeah, lot yeah, of time yeah. over the last couple of years um, yeah, ex- exactly. working on it. Yeah, because it's nice to like meet up with with fellow people that 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 fellow value entrepreneurship. Um, because that was my experience um, moving here far from the Netherlands myself. That um, yeah, I, I thought more people would be interested in entrepreneurship. Um, and then um, yeah, I, I I struggled to find meetups and such where people were generally interested in it. Um, there was lots of like you know like I want to work for a startup but not necessarily work in a startup or on a startup um so yeah that that's why i liked um and hopefully that that will change as in it will revitalize or come back in a different form and um, and maybe this this whole coronavirus thing is then causing things to become even more virtual if you will and it becomes less of a issue like where do you live and then you get more startups that are that completely are founded completely virtually um because i think in general uh, there's going to be lots of uh, people with, with plenty of brilliant ideas but not necessarily living in the in the right spot quote unquote um so yeah that's that's one of the things as well that that i'm personally working on um, also part of the institute of directors um i, I just want to like reach out my hand like you're doing and then you know uh, support people that 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 have that feeling in their heart that they want to build something um, so yeah it's cool that that we met um and uh, yeah so yeah currently um with, with nifty uh, you're doing prototyping you already briefly mentioned it but can you explain a bit more in detail yeah um so Prototyping is a way to validate um, your ideas um, using creative experiments to get your own data. Um, so the most important thing when people, when uh, when aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, start their own businesses, is they need to get data to prove whether or not it will be successful um, at a very early stage, so they don't spend a lot of time and money pursuing an idea that you know won't that that doesn't have any demand in it, right? So. For example, um, if you haven't, if somebody has an app idea, right? Um, normally, a lot of people's first instinct is to try to call a developer and you know try to get them to build it, right? Um, or they would go around doing user research, and but they would in- always include questions in user research, such as like, you know, would you download this app? Would you pay for this service, right? And um, both of those approaches are not always the most effective because they are not always an accurate measurement of the consumer behavior. So what with prototyping, for example, what you do is you require people to put in skin in the game and uh, as a part of your experiment to prove whether or not that they will actually pay for your idea and then how attractive is it. So if you have an app idea and you want people to pay X amount of money per month for a certain service, what you do is you for example, you can either make a simple website or a simple video and then um, have a link for people to pre-order uh, for a small discount. And then, you know, and what you do before that is you make a hypothesis. So there's a thing called an XYZ hypothesis, which before you run any experiment, you say at least X percent of target market will take certain action. You, you use that hypothesis and you go ahead and and then you run your experiments your prototyping experiments to see whether or not you can match up to that um to see whether or not your results are in accordance with your xyz hypothesis which is what you deem are like the minimum amount of people that need to sign up and pay for your product or service in order for you to be considered successful so for me i'm i'm a heavy advocate for prototyping and that's something that really really excites me i feel like a lot of early stage entrepreneurs, whether or not uh, whether they may be students or a little bit older, um, I feel like if everybody learned how to get good at prototyping, there would be much less failure with ideas, and there would be a lot more successful businesses because people are ruling out ideas that they know will not work. Yeah, yeah, that no, makes sense. Yeah, uh, let's be honest. Uh, it's a general, uh, yeah, challenge with with entrepreneurship that you know, people go like, "I have a dream." <laughs> 
uh, and then you know like they they you stand on a virtual stage and and tell the fans that they have this brilliant idea and they're going to build it uh, but then there's no market validation um, yeah so it sounds like a good idea to validate if, if if people are actually willing to pay for your idea whatever that is whether that's a an app or product or a service um, yeah so so it makes complete sense um, so so I was wondering as well how does it relate to lean startup yeah um Creator typing is actually uh, has a lot of similarities to pre lean startup, but um, creator typing is actually leaner than lean startup, if that makes sense. Um, so with creator typing, you're generally not supposed to build a product. You're supposed to build like the minimum possible thing that that can get people to uh, put put that can, that will convince people to put money into your proposed idea, right? Um, so for example, some people would say like with Lean Startup, go build an MVP, um, which nowadays I have a slight issue with like, you know, how people define MVPs because if you go to a lot of development agencies, a lot of people will charge you 10,000 pounds or 15,000 pounds for an MVP, a so-called MVP. Yes. At that point, you're not really sure if it's an MVP anymore because yes. it's 10,000, 15,000 pounds for even a sem what they think is a basic app chock full of like features and everything. So with prototyping, you're generally not supposed to spend very much time and you're generally supposed to get it done very, very quickly. Um, and... You know, you do those uh, if you if you do those things, then uh, if you do those things right, then um, if you do prototyping right, you should know whether or not like your business idea is going to be successful or not within about a month. Okay. Running four or five experiments off that yes. one idea, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a quick turnaround, and you know, helps you save your money uh, because if. If the idea is not right, then yeah, if you only got the money to spend on one idea, um, it's it's better to make sure you're putting the money in, in the one idea that's actually gonna pay off. Um, yeah, so it makes sense, and especially now uh, with changing consumer behaviors and and, and budgets, um, I I actually think in a way, um, you know, behaviors changing where, for instance. The lower and and the higher end of the market might see more change, uh, but but the middle end of the market, if you will, um, might be more difficult. Um, because yeah yeah, there's more um, let's say erosion of middle classes during the uh, with the pandemic crisis. Um, so that's interesting to see as well whether the product or service that you're thinking about uh, also still makes sense for a post-pandemic uh, society yeah exactly and and i think it's interesting you mentioned about like how um you know with the erosion of the middle class uh due yes. to the pandemic because i i truly think that prototyping can really help um create more um more self-employed people successful self-employed people and then help reverse the erosion of the middle class um Something that like um, that that I continually you know talk about you know often is that um, especially in the especially in the UK um, you know there's going to be a predicted dip uh, there's going to be a predicted a predicted dip in the economy due to the combined effects of Brexit and um, and COVID right so with Brexit you uh, people are going to lose a lot of financial jobs and um, and. So, you know, the, the, the financial sector of, you know, particularly London is not going to be as strong as before. And while, you know, something like COVID is going to continue to hammer the hospitality industry, the travel industry particularly. So with a lot of people, you know, out of work, they need to find ways to support themselves. And not everybody sh is cut out or should be cut out to, you know, uh, get another uh, full-time job for themselves. So with a method like with a method like prototyping, you know, I truly believe that that's a method to get a lot more people starting and running more successful, uh, successful businesses, technology or not technology. 
Um, yeah. And yeah. I believe that um, that in order for um, in order, I think, for the UK economy to thrive, to, to thrive in this decade, um, you know, we must I think we got to do everything we can to contribute and foster the growth of, of entrepreneurship in this country in, in this country, in the city. Um, although I think London has done quite well so far, uh, you know, in terms of the progress they've made over the last 10, 10 years in terms of, you know, building a tech startup ecosystem and an entrepreneurship ecosystem in general, um, yes. there needs to be, I still want to see much more, there still has a lot of work to be done. I still want to see a lot more emphasis and push in terms of, you know, growing entrepreneurship in the city and the country. And I think if we can all work together as entrepreneurs, as ecosystem builders, as, um, as supporters, I think that we can, we can, we can take, we can, we can take this country and, you know, help it to be, to, to be better than it ever was before. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. Like you said, you know, people are now looking like, okay, what can I do? on the site if, if they still have a job or what can I do if, if I can't find a job and um, yeah and, and not even like a, you know the, the Tesco's of the world are you not even hiring anymore because um, you literally have pilots working for Tesco um, so yeah it's, it's quite interesting times and um, the entrepreneurship I, I, I agree as well uh, that but the government should be stimulating that way more um, Unfortunately, as it's as it looking right now, uh, taxes-wise and um, policy-wise, they actually seem to, um, yeah, do the opposite, if you will. Um, hopefully, they 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 see the error of their ways, um, because, um, yeah, if you, like you said, financial services is going away. Um, I think it was like yesterday. I think 1.7 trillion was moved out of the UK. <laughs> um, and of course, you know that that's just on the balance, and that's of course not what they're actually generating daily. Um, but yeah, th those are not small amounts. Um, and and the dependency on financial services also, um, let's be honest, is uh, yeah, asking for trouble. Um, so yeah, it needs to be more products because in general, uh, the UK economy is a services economy, and I think yeah, it could help if we actually start making products again. Um, but yeah, we also need to discover um, new entrepreneurs for that. Uh, so like uh, you know uh, the gym sharks of the world uh, it, it, it's great that that we have gym shark and and i'm very happy with that uh, but but that shouldn't be the exception um so yeah that that's that's one of the things that that you're working on and i'm working on on my end so to um on my end specifically like to work with schools and such to um help um yeah kids basically discover uh, there's more ways than potentially you know get rich and famous then be a footballer or you know um, try to get into a, um, a private university <laughs> um, like at uh, the Cambridge of the world or the Oxford's of the world um, so if, if it, there's a whole new generation of kids that you know feel like there is a third path um, uh, that would be helpful and um, I'm not saying that you know that there's like thousands of people with, with billion dollar ideas sitting in school in school uh, rooms <laughs> in school classes um, but yeah um, it, it, let's be honest if you start with like you know we find 10 people here that that that's come up with a successful idea and that gets funded um, then yeah we can turn things around uh, but yeah we do need to do something with COVID and, and Brexit to be honest yeah exactly and uh it's interesting you mentioned a lot of things uh, those things because i think um i do have a lot of ideas in my head actually of like how do you boost entrepreneurship uh, how do you improve how do you make the uk more entrepreneurial obviously not everything can be done by myself because it's no. i'm not a one-man show and it might be really really tough but um i do have a few ideas like for example like if you're we starting off with schools like yes. i think um a lot of the a lot of I think the 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 the, the teaching styles and methods are a, a, a little bit like archaic, and I yes. think that um, that a lot more has to be done to um, to encourage kids. I think to be so I think learn to not learn as much of like what would not be applicable in the future, and in, but instead to like 
challenge them to you know think more critically right so for example like um a lot a lot i'm I'm always a fan of a lot less tests and a lot more projects uh, that's something i believe um and in addition you know like there was a there was a school i remember in um in, in austin a while back that i remember seeing and there was um and it was so unique because in that school uh in and my friend is like you know one of the the guys that runs it um it's it's an environment where there's no schedule for the kids the kids come in every day and the school looks like a co-working space they they self-paced themselves in their learning and um and they have a lot of free time to explore their interests so for example some kids are doing or helping um business or consulting businesses in terms of you know reaching you know generation alpha on social media yes, yes, yes. some of the kids are building ios apps some of the kids are they're just doing all these like big creative things and i think that um from an education side you know rather than sticking to i think okay like let's teach to the test it's more let's let's try to build critical thinkers that that are that that are willing to challenge themselves and the society around them. Yes. Um, yeah, and that, that was my observation as well. I think a lot of people saying it, so not uniquely mine, but is that critical thinking is something that that um, yeah could use with some more emphasis in the UK curriculum. Um, yeah, you know, like um, I I know that, and that's don't get wrong, that's typically Dutch. Um, but I was speci- very specifically taught to question everything. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe a bit too much, though, to be fair. Um, but yeah, um, that, that I'm still, yeah, like feeling like, okay, sometimes I'll be like, I can say something and you'd be like, oh, but why don't you question what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Um, because it just, you know, it becomes a more equal kind of thing um if you question what the other person is saying and and whether that makes sense and or you're just yeah going along that kind of thing um and then yeah the, the schooling like yeah like you said curriculum is different you know um for instance you now like one of the examples that i have and this is why you know i'm doing stuff with the institute of directors just like if you are born in the wrong neighborhood quote unquote and you don't have entrepreneurial examples that's that come from from where you are from then you know your 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 mindset might be such that you go like well i'm from here so i can never achieve that kind of that kind of thing and that's just it's, yeah it, it well actually it could be there will be kids in there not even could there will be kids in there that, that have some brilliant idea um, but yeah that they, they they don't even pursue it because they feel they they don't have a support system and and and, and yeah confidence and whatever to pursue it um so yeah with with, with the whole virtual thing is like you know like the, the, these things could change like for instance like i wanna i like got like online summit software and such so i wanna like like start organizing summits um and then you know for instance you could be like you know bring this like you know like ceos of this massive successful companies you know like and, and put a summit together and then have children attend from 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 you'd say charter schools or whatever you want to call them um and and be like okay hey you know um um this is an extreme example this is tim cook and and he's gonna like get you pumped up or you know like get somebody like tony robbins you know like because if it, it doesn't even have to be live, you know, it can be like recorded talks where, you know, you literally get like, you know, like a motivational speaker and then, you know, you get it like a shark from a shark tank or something or dragons den here. Um, and then, you know, like have somebody as well, um, you know, if, if, if it's somebody, you know, like a particular school that has like lots of uh, minority background students, you know, like, uh, you know, go out of your way, find, find uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, so so they can relate to them uh, because yeah that's one of the issues as well you know like if you go like oh yeah we got this uh, motivational speaker um, um, but yeah and then the school is like uh, mostly non-white and then you put this white person that went to this private school 
and you go like, well, these kids can't relate to that. Um, so yeah, lots have to change in that in that sense. Yeah, no, I feel that. And uh, kind of going off of that, I do want to see entrepreneurship taught earlier because I think like a lot of times, I think sometimes when you give a lot of like, when you give a lot of like really broad messages to kids, like you can be anything you want to be. Yes. It sounds good for like 30 minutes, but then you still don't know what the path you need to take to get no. where you need to be no. is, right? I think that, I think that regardless of what age, like step-by-step -step examples are always the best way to communicate to them, right? And I think that like, I do want to see entrepreneurship and, and things like prototyping, lean startup method, taught the kids at a younger age using like really creative methods like you know things that will keep them engaged rather than just like teaching them like games kids love games kids yes. love to work together in teams and kids love competition which sometimes a lot of instructors don't always get because they want the easiest path out that's fine if you're trying to earn money as a job being an instructor and you don't really care about the quality of your teaching but yes. if you're serious yes. about the quality of your teaching you talk less and you arrange more activities and you let kids kind of discover certain things for themselves right yes. and so that's kind of like when we're talking about building up the foundations for entrepreneurship and you know and especially going into inner city types of schools you know the the biggest thing is I think, you know, you teach the biggest thing I think is teaching kids to think for themselves Yes. to, like you said, question everything. And I think it was, it's amazing that you were raised to question everything in the Netherlands. I mean, within my family, I was raised to question everything as well, but, yeah. um, but my family was unique among other Chinese families because actually in traditional Chinese culture, you are actually taught to listen and follow and obey everything yes. rather than question everything. Yeah. And so when you're, and so especially like when the, the traditional Chinese definition of a good kid is, you know, you've got to listen and obey your elders. What does that do to your creativity and your ability to question and your ability to challenge? It kills it off. Yes. because you're raised with all these messages your whole life you got to listen you got to obey you got to follow to the point where when you have autonomy and you have freedom you have no idea what to do with it yeah and uh, that's true as well yeah um yeah i i didn't see in in, in from 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 that angle um i guess it it helped me <laughs> um but yeah it, it is you know like i always like i had pretty much like lots of clients where i'd be like yeah just because i say something to you like you know doesn't make it absolute truth um so you know but yeah, please call me out if you don't think it makes sense because yeah, um, i i don't hold the truth on everything that kind of thing um but yeah, the entrepreneurship as well. But the funny thing as well, where you mentioned, um, it's it's not just inner city actually. I I, I think it's, it's also like you know, um, you know, if talking about you know the 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 great divide, if you will, the north versus the south, um, you know, like up north as well. You know, like it shouldn't just be question like you be like, okay, yeah, London has left us behind. You know, the, with the whole virtual thing, you know, like you know, redo the high street. You know, like have co-working spaces in the high street that are like heavily subsidized because it's already empty anyway. Have like experimentation labs. Have and and and, and, and lots of things can be virtual. So, you know, um, instead of somebody saying, "Yeah, I have to travel to London to like go to this meetup with this," you know, like entrepreneur. Uh, you know, like do virtual talks. Um, you know, it. Yeah, we have mobile data and such. Um, just imagine, you know, like having. Um, I don't know. Um, the, the guy from from Jim Shark, Jim Shark, Shark Jim, going like um, you know, like basically broadcasting him to um, you know, this entrepreneurial labs around the UK. Um, 
where this, the, all these kids sitting and, and they go like, hey, uh, this kid is from the UK and um, if he can do it, then I can do it, that kind of thing. Um, that's the whole power. And I think, you know, what, what coronavirus did do for us, <laughs> um, you know, virtual opens new avenues. Um, so yeah, that that's what I'm hoping for, you know, like, you know, if you go like, instead of be like, okay, we're near the sea, um, um, oh yeah, so just like my daddy, I'm gonna like work in a, a, a shipyard, um, you know, why not something else, or maybe, you know, like the kid comes up with, um, you know, uh, uh, something mari maritime related, but you know, for instance, like a device to help sailors save themselves or something like a, I don't know, like an airbag, if you will, <laughs> you know, like, you know, we, we might joke about it, but, um, there's going to be kids that have plenty of ideas. Um, but, but if they're not in the environment, then yeah, they're not going to feel stimulated to actually express themselves. Um, so yeah, the whole virtual thing, I think, yeah, the whole government has to jump on that really to, yeah, use it. It would be interesting because it's interesting you mentioned a lot of that because um, I think first off, like um, online is good for some things, but not for everything. Um, there's a certain element of um, there's a certain element, I think, that gets missing online that you can only make up for by meeting people in person. Right. Um, yes. To myself, I think. Although you can start building relationships online, I agree with that, but you cannot really build solid ground foundation for any kind of relationship, whether maybe business or friend friendship, unless you meet people in person. I think just that invisible magnetic energy of, you know, being able to meet people in person, I think cannot be replaced. You know, that's something that I strongly believe in. Yes. Which I think kind of goes on to the next point, which you mentioned yeah. about like, you know, kind of like bringing co-working spaces onto the high street it's interesting because something i've thought about a lot recently is that um you know what's going to be the future of what's going to be the future of the city center if you have a lot more people working remotely and you know doing a lot of activities remotely and when i picture it i picture the city center as being less of a place where people have to be and more of a place where people want to be Yes. So if you if you imagine the city center being a place where people can get together, can can get together, and work on different things and do activities that only being in person can you know really really satisfy. You then start to reimagine what what are the different elements of of the city center, right? So first off, we talk about co working spaces and yes. experimentation labs, right? Yes. I imagine the future of a co-working space is not just being an, an open environment with a lot of desks, but also and uh, and also an environment where where people can come in and just try and experiment all kinds of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. An exactly. open environment in a very inexpensive type of aesthetic, right? So I see yeah. it as less expensive aesthetic, so much more like a garage style kind of like, you know, you know, fairly affordable kind of methodology yeah. neighborhood rec center that's that's how i also see it you know you go to like a neighborhood rec center um that's you know um it, it's not fancy um but but a it's a safe place which is sometimes also important depending on where you live um but also yeah you know you can meet and then for instance it could be like you know, you're in neighborhoods where not everybody is potentially inclined to think like, you know, entrepreneurship, but if you then end up going there and for instance, like, you know, you have 10, 15 people that think similarly, then you can bounce off each other. And then if you then combine it with, with, with what, what can be done virtually now, uh, that, that can be really, you know, like empowering. So for instance, like, you know, like you, you can do like a, a, a dragon's den kind of panel where you know, you find, I don't know, like 20 bright young kids in the UK and then you have them pitch uh, for uh, dragons around the world and, and literally, you know, like at the end, like they pick three and then like they launch the product. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's it's a lot, a lot of things can be done in, in person and, and I agree, you know, relationships and that kind of thing. Um, uh, but I, I think we're under underestimating 
how it can shorten let's say uh, from the, the process from from ideation to actually booming if you will um, because that, that it's not a question that there's no money um, uh, the money is there um, so I think you know the, the traditional um, yeah, startup ecosystem can only be enriched or grown by by finding you know a, a generation of prepreneurs if you will um of, of you know kids with bright ideas um and you know like of course you know it might not always work but i, I think we're underestimating yeah the new generation the new generation in particular is very very technology savvy i mean I think um, the youngest kids, I believe so, right now I'm Generation Z, which is about, I think, 1998 until about 2009, 2010. And then the after that is um, what we call Generation Alpha, which is from 2010. So all the so all the kids that are 10 years old and under. And yeah, it is amazing to see like just like how quickly they've been able to pick up a variety of um, a variety, I guess, of um, of digital concepts, right? Even faster than I have been able to, right? Because those are the kids that I think it's 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 sometimes crazy for me to sometimes I walk around as the centuries and these kids are holding the, these two three year old kids are holding iPads in their hand playing Peppa Pig, and yeah, if you if you've seen those, and I remember yeah, yeah, I know, I know. when I'm when I was three years old this was around 2001 so that meant that i was still if i wanted to use anything digital i had that i had a i had a boxed computer and you know i could only like if i wanted to play games for example i had to get on a box computer and type in whatever website i wanted and that was my computer game per se right yes, and then yes. you and then i didn't i didn't see the first iphone came out when i was nine and the first ipad came out when i was 12. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's a different that's a whole different world like i think yeah now i feel old <laughs> exactly um it's okay it's okay i mean as long as you're as long as you're adapting because at the end of the day like you know the next generation after that will be even more tech savvy in the next generation oh, yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah. I, i'm waiting for the generation that that lets you you know where people will just have a brain implant and i know like you know Neuralink and such um but but it's it's way too early stages but i i really think we'll get to a point where it will just become normal quote-unquote and you'll literally end up with like uh neo situations where you know you get a brain plug in and be like okay you want to learn spanish um buy buy the rosetta stone course and by the end of the week it you know you know what you're doing um i, I really think we're gonna get there and, and i think we're gonna get there quicker than we might think um and of course you know there's going to be yeah um scrap metal if uh, uh you know along the way that kind of thing um but yeah it is, it's definitely accelerating uh, i remember my mo first mobile phone was a nokia 6110 i think no 6150 um and like people are like you have a mobile phone <laughs> And then before, because remember that before that, this is a Dutch thing, but they probably had something similar in the UK and US as well, was uh, something called Kermit, which is basically, was mobile phone, but actually it was like decked systems, so like cordless phones. So what you had to do, you had to drive to like a, a fuel station or a McDonald's, and then your phone will work. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's quite funny and I still remember pages and, and then I'm going to stop talking before I show my age even further. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, uh, no, my parents would always tell me stories about like how technology was for them. Uh, my, um, my uncle was, my uncle got the, had the very first cell phone, uh, mobile phone model ever. So this was around 1977. And mm. uh, my uncle had one of those, like, you know, like big, those big mobile phones. Yes, not yeah, even yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm talking to four Nokia 6110. This oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, like... I, I, I've seen those as well, but yeah. of course, I didn't have that personally. Um, yeah. But, but I, I had a neighbor that was like the, um, he had an office, home office within the building. 
Yeah. Um, because there were offices basically that that were rented out, and basically he was the head of the calculation center, as it was called, of the yeah the Dutch version of BT Telecoms. Um, so um, yeah, yeah, crazy stories as well. He so yeah. He had like multiple pages, like different all different models, all mobile phones, and yeah, the the one, uh, you know, the one the one was like built-in uh, battery, um, um, like I don't know, I forgot the brand even, um, you know, acoustic coupler modems and whatever, um, and I've even seen him like work with a PDP-11, you know, like uh, uh, a computer with. Uh, um, oh my goodness! I know, I, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's how I got started. But yeah, going back, like you know, if you go to now and be like, um, if you explain to a new generation that you had a phone where you could only call with it, um, they will look at you like, really? Uh, but but I run my business from my phone, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you know, like go go, let's say fifteen years further. And, um, probably the next thing will be like, oh, what? You're not using virtual reality to operate your devices. You're still looking at this tiny screen or something like that. Um, it's 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 amazing, really. Um, yeah, you just have to keep going with the times, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's interesting for sure. And uh, I actually, I remember it's interesting bring up Neuralink because I I saw the I saw when. Um, Elon Musk did the Neuralink with the pigs, right? He had the whole presentation and he was like, all right, this is pig one. He has Neuralink. Here's pig two. And he had Neuralink taken out. And then here's pig three with like Neuralink taken out and then put back in or something like that. And it's, and I saw like kind of like the, the, the way they, uh, they, they put in that Neuralink. And it's like, I guess it's fascinating, scary at the same time, because yes. If you look at because if you remember some aspects of that presentation, they put the Neuralink in between the nerves, yes. which is a very scary sight because if you mess up, yes, you've completely you've completely wiped out this person's speech function. Yeah. So like imagine how many lawsuits you would get trying to like sell Neuralink and oops, I accidentally wiped out his speech function, I wiped out his motor function, and yes. I wiped out his ability to recall uh, short-term memories. That's, that would that would be unbelievable. And then, like, I think the whole process of, like, putting a chip in and out of your brain, like, I think... Oh, no, no, I agree, but... Uh, that's I think scary, it, for sure. This is, like, a completely different example, but um, was it, like, um, with the 100 meters... Um, basically there was always a thing like where people were like okay you can't run faster than i was it like um 10 seconds or something and mm-hmm. then if you run any faster you know you literally your heart will explode or something they said and then um yeah then somebody you know was like you know what i'm gonna train and then uh, the funny part is after that um well like a few runners that that basically broke the same record again a few times dispelling you know the whole thing like you know like the world's gonna stop if you try to go faster than 10 seconds um so yeah that that's interesting as well i think Neuralink, of course is so early stages but um yeah they will find other ways to do it and uh, maybe you know like even like like micro robotics and something where instead of like injection whatever it like it finds a, a suitable spot i don't know um there's going to be plenty of people um, contemplating about this for a day job, if you will. <laughs> um, figuring it out, like, okay, how can we do this better? But yeah, right now, like, it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. No, we'll have to see about that. I've always, you know, in terms of, like, technology innovation, I think sometimes there's always a debate about, like, you know, it's all progress, good progress, right? Like, I think... Um, I guess, you know, one of the huge debates of, you know, especially this decade is, you know, like how much AI is too much AI, right? I mean, how much data is, how much, um, how much should a machine know about you before it gets to be, um, too much, right? Because, uh, you know, you, you train AI and like ML algorithms to be like, you know, hyper advanced, you know, that's, that's great and all of you can use it for good, but then also like, 
if you train AI and ML algorithms and then authoritarian governments kind of get their hands on it, then that's, that's, that's a little bit of a, um, a questionable proposition. Cause like, I think, I guess an example I can bring up is, uh, in, um, in China, they've started using a lot of surveillance technologies recent, uh, you know, in recent years. Right. So, um, so every there, there's, there's so much surveillance everywhere, like, in, you know, in freeway and motorways and, uh, in railway stations and things like that. And then everybody has a social credit score attached to that surveillance. So basically if you're caught like, you know, breaking the law or like, you know, doing naughty things, you know, here and there, your social credit score goes down. And then if it goes down too much, that means you cannot buy train tickets or airplane tickets. And like you're kind of placed on the blacklist and you're shamed and things like that. And so it's like, you know, you, you hand too much technology also in the hands of like, you know, different authoritarian governments or maybe people that don't have your best interest in mind. You yeah. know, how does that end up? Right. But at the same time, if you, because of the, if you're too afraid of like not so nice people, you know, getting their hands on certain technologies, so you don't innovate, that's yeah. also stifling the idea of human progress because in the end of the day, like, we've we've you know for all maybe some of the harm that technology has done for us it's done a lot, us a lot of good i mean it's done us so much good yeah and that's the thing you know like yeah of course like the whole social media debate is is, is a whole other ball game as well um where you know initially it started like you know it helps you reconnect with people you know that, that you don't live close to with or friends and people that moved on after university um yeah, and then now you know, like it, it, it's on the other end where it becomes like you know, a dopamine addiction kind of thing. Um, so yeah, fortunately that the, there's also darker sides to every new development, pretty much. Um, but but yeah, then you you can't also then decide to just like stay where you are, if you will, because then you don't move forward as well. Um, so yeah, that that's always a difficult balance. Exactly, exactly. Because I think with new innovation, like there's always a good and bad side to new innovation, but it's like you can never go really go back, right? Um, for example, like you got a lot of sometimes I hear stories about a lot of like you know really really old people talking about how life was better the days with only newspapers. I mean, that's oh, yeah. good and all. I'm sure. I'm sure you know that in life in certain ways was a lot better with only newspapers. Like that meant that kids played outside with leaves all the time and you know uh and people didn't really hurt their eyes and you know and all of that and and and, and all of that type of stuff but if in 2020 we were still only using newspapers and writing letters to all the people that we cared about imagine how much smaller our network would be yes. imagine how much less people you could have reached imagine um Imagine just like how much less interconnected the the world yeah exactly. the world would be you know, like, yeah exactly. so if you lived in the wrong neighborhood you didn't have the money and then it'd be like okay well there goes your chances for success already because you don't have the right environment well right now it's like that literally there might be you know gangs in in your neighborhood if you will but as long as you can get online you you have some way out and 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 know potentially like get yourself out of the situation and that might not be in a single step um but yeah you, there, at least there's options you know you can find out that, that there's other options than then you know resigning in your fate if you will um so yeah um, i have to stay hopeful um so yeah as well you know we talk about small business and such what do you feel as well that that governments could do better to help small businesses grow um, I think to, just to understand small businesses better, um, a lot of times governments are operating out of the assumption of what they think businesses need, as opposed to what businesses actually need. I think like, uh, I, I guess, say for example, if I was like, you know, if I was in a, in a governmental authority position and I, I was tasked, you know, figuring out ways to help businesses, you actually got to like go around and ask businesses what they need help for and what they really care about, as opposed to like, snapping off your finger and be and be like oh this is what i think they need no you have to 
go and ask businesses what they need, what they're struggling with, and then tailor your budget and your programs to, you know, be able to match that, right? Um, and so that's extremely important. That's one. But then there's also the other element of like governments aren't in charge of entrepreneur ecosystems. The entrepreneurs are, right? The all the all the governments their job is really is to reduce the amount of bureaucracy possible needed to start a company, and to occasionally help out with like you know the funding of you know certain programs that will like help grow a business. All right, that's it. The government's job is not to grow a startup ecosystem. It's the people's job to grow a startup ecosystem, right? Um, so all the help the government can throw out there, I mean, doesn't mean squat if nobody's really willing to, per se, of what do you call it? Like, no, if nobody's really willing to, you know, take on the responsibility of, okay, let's put a, put a meetup, put a meetup together or like, um, what, or what else? Like, uh, be an active angel investor, you know, go out and actively mentor startups and, you know, bring people together and, if people aren't willing to take take responsibility and do those things and rather pass it off to some higher authority, nothing gets done. So sure, the government can do some things, and um, but the real impetus actually lays on us as entrepreneurs. It is our responsibility to be, I think, the change that we want to see in in the ecosystem that we're in. Um, rather than pass the blame off to the government, right? If we think that the government's not helping us enough, why don't we figure out a way that, okay, where the government is not doing what they're supposed to do, or what it, where, you know, maybe the government may have fallen short, and then let's take up their responsibility. Let's do what we can to, you know, um, help out on this end, right? Vice versa, right? I think that's how, that's how we, that's how we, uh, that's how we encourage entrepreneurship. That's how kind of like we we push the envelope that's how we build out the the ecosystem and the environment yeah yeah i agree like you know it shouldn't be served up um but yeah i, I, I do feel they can do more um because they go like you know a lot of it is like you know like we're 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 supporting small businesses and then literally introducing measures that are the opposite of supporting those businesses um so yeah that that that's that's yeah and i get it you know like that you know in general they go like you know the bigger the organization if if the organization fails then you know it's a massive impact um but then you also have to always think like how many companies um uh, that that were around let's say 100 years ago are still around uh, and then you know the number actually becomes much smaller so yeah uh, in a way it is in the government's best interest as well to get small businesses in and not all of them will grow to a massive business uh, but but yeah you need revitalization as well to to get there and and that can't all be done with just venture capital um i think especially you know if you talk about like renewable energy and such um i think the government can do more and then when it also when it comes to tech, um, they can be more supportive, um, you know, to create the right yeah, system. Um, and then of course, yeah, the Silicon Roundabout or such, but in tech city, uh, but I feel still feel yeah more can be done. Um, and like I said, you know, stimulating entrepreneurship as well. Um, that shouldn't be a question of like people getting out of college and such, and then finding out like you know about entrepreneurship from like an online talk if you will uh, they should already come out um, even to, to, in my opinion out of high school already with some idea uh, and let people open that lemonade stand you know and sell lemonade <laughs> yeah i mean i think it still boils down to i think like the government's job is to remove as much bureaucracy as possible right if we're talking about like it's the government's job to to make it easier for people to start businesses right kind of try to get rid of as much like do what you can to get rid of as much bureaucracy as you can and then you know obviously like kind of looking at kind of looking at your budget and i guess you know seeing like who um 
how much money do you have to allocate to, to entrepreneurs and then like having actual entrepreneurs running those government programs rather than like a bunch of like trained civil servants. I think at the end of the day, like it all boils down to, you know, when we talk about the failure of, of government programs, it all boils down to them being out of touch with the average person, right? Um, they, 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 they make programs for, they make programs for who they think they need it and and methods that they think will benefit them and oftentimes like a lot of that is a lot of that a lot of times that isn't that doesn't necessarily line up for you know um no no for, exactly. you know what people actually need right i mean you know i'm sure rishi sunak is doing the best he can you know i respect him and i respect his position but let's be honest rishi sunak ain't no entrepreneur all right rishi sunak isn't, yeah. isn't an entrepreneur and he you know he know he's not a businessman he doesn't get what entrepreneurs need on a day-to-day basis. No. So his job is should be to provide resources to certain entrepreneurs and ecosystem builders to 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 let them all right, like find ways to uplift up their community and vice versa, right? Like yes, yes. Rishi Sunak shouldn't wave a wand and be like, All right, here's what I think businesses need, here's future support program, X, Y, and Z and whatever. Like he doesn't you can't produce stuff in areas that you don't know about effectively, right? It's exactly yeah. like going to a, some a certain gardening example that I put put earlier. Like, if I was to if I was the chairman of the International Gardening Association, if I came up with laws that with with different support packages for guard for people that love gardening, that's not going to be helpful because I know nothing about gardening. And so, like, all of the gardeners are going to be like, "How does this help me?" Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and to be fair, you know, like um, Rishi also said, he said like, um, you know, about not supporting like small business entrepreneurs and, and directors of it. Um, he was like, um, I apologize. I, you are overlooked. Um, but I do you support you just like my, 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 my parents were entrepreneurs. I'm like thinking like, so you're basically you're acknowledging that your parents are entrepreneurs and yet you're saying that you can't help entrepreneurs. And I'm like thinking like, you, you just go like, that. well, so basically you're saying that if that happened at the time, your parents wouldn't have been supported and then you might not have been in a position to become a hedge fund manager, um, which is quite interesting if you think about it uh, timeline wise. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, like, um, and that, 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 and that, that's the only thing that I wanted to add as there is like, you know, like the whole public private school system, I think, uh, needs a, a overhaul. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a, a personal opinion there. I know that not everybody agrees with that. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That, 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 that could be a whole editorial in itself. Um, uh, if a budding entrepreneur would come to you, what piece of advice would you give that entrepreneur? Um, just one piece. <laughs> um, prototype your ideas, uh, grow your emotional intelligence, and build relationships. I think the your even if you don't have a lot of money, one of the most important currencies you can build out is uh, your relational currency. Yes. Try to build as uh, whatever field that you're interested in. Try to build as many high quality relationships as you can in that field, um, whether they may be friendships or like maybe strictly professional types of relationships. Try to build as many high quality relationships as you can um, in the entrepreneurship sector. Try to give more than you take. Yes. And um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I would say. Be be understand emotional intelligence and be relational. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, that's what I'm, you know, like, um, I'm, I'm trying to do outside of this as well. You know, like I, I, I go to my, my, my network on LinkedIn uh, and go like, hey, how can I, um, connect two folks together so they can both win together, that kind of thing. Um, cause it's, yeah, you know, in the end that, that will come back to you. Um, and then the other question I had was that if you had a magic wand, what would you want to happen? Uh, if I had a magic wand, I, well, I'd like to, uh, you, I'd you like can to only end... do one thing with it. So that's the challenge. 
All right, do you want thing with it? Uh, yes, only one thing. Right, let's uh, let's end poverty. Okay, sounds like a good one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, that that was, was a good one. Yes. Um, um, one of the guests, the other guest was like, oh yeah, um, give me enough um, vac um, uh, vaccines for COVID for the whole world. Um, that's a good one as well. Um. It's, it's 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 funny how how it all comes back you know where people go like you know it's like uh, it's greater than me kind of thing response uh, which is good to see it means that we're all like you know um, in, in the end you know got a heart in the right place that kind of thing uh, so exactly good to see. um sure. thank you for your time um I, I i took quite a bit of time today but i think you know um i think it was interesting for me i hope it was interesting for yourself as well um and interesting for you as a listener uh, listening at home in the car um. thank you for tuning in this episode i hope you enjoyed the show and i look forward to having you tune in again next episode see you next time motorbike uh, wherever that may be surfboard um any particular specific vehicle that i missed do let me know um and um i'll see you all in the next episode and uh, again jonathan thank you for your time awesome man let's uh let's cat let's catch up later after this thank you bye bye cheers